Gilchrist. Good morning, Adam. You're well. Now, we've been pushing every four minutes, Adam, there's a beep that's going out there. And that's to show that every four minutes in this country, a person gets raped. A person gets abused. It's, it's something with the rape capital of the world, Adam. And, and, and this is why we're highlighting this this morning. So if you do hear a beep during this particular discussion, then uh, I think you'll know what it's all about. And I also want to say before we start our discussion that the time to speak out is now. You can report rape and sexual abuse. We've got Crime Line. Um, you can use that SMS number 32211. It's an anonymous tip-off. And that's charged, of course, at one rand. But Adam, let's talk about uh, Madeline. McCann, another lead. It's extraordinary, isn't it? That, yep. uh, I mean, we're not far off seven years since Madeleine McCann went missing in the holiday resort of Pride Illusion in Portugal, and we still get these uh, extraordinary stories that come forward and front page leads and um, photos that uh, allege that she'd been spotted, remember, in, in North Africa, in Eastern Europe, and so forth. And there are two lead stories today, uh, two different newspapers with two very different takes on it. What we know is that British detectives are travelling out to Portugal and believe that they do have fresh information they need to follow up, evidence in particular of bank accounts and so forth. So what we have is suspects paid to snatch Maddie. That's one headline which suggests that Madeleine McCann was essentially stolen by uh, a gang, stolen to order, if you like, and then sold on. And that's why they want to look at bank accounts in particular of three. Uh, or, indeed, you could go with another one, which says that Maddie Prime suspects worked at Holiday Resort. Three burglars may have been disturbed by a missing child. An entirely different take on this, that she wasn't stolen to order. She was stolen, uh, if you like, as an opportunistic uh, theft by three burglars who were otherwise... Well, they may have uh, taken her, they may have killed her. That's the suggestion. So two very different takes on basically the same information. Those Are those leads or straws? Well, that's it. You're right. And and it does feel like a grasping at, doesn't it? It certainly does. Now, the flood emergency response. I know that... I mean, this is a flooded, uh, of course, uh, the Somerset, of course, yes. is where that's happening. And we've got Johannesburg and Kharteng flooding as we speak at the moment. Oh, goodness me, right. Well, yeah, and uh, it's, it's interesting that the media has sort of centred on Somerset. I think it's partly because it's mm. dramatic to see the inland sea. It just looks stunning. But there are other parts. I mean, there are places in Kent, any sort of ooh, 30, 40 miles outside of London that uh, that are flooded and have been for quite some time, yep. villages that are cut off and so forth. But in Somerset, the media descended and actually thought that we were going to see, uh, well, amphibious vehicles and military helicopters and soldiers kind of humping sandbags to the right place. And in fact, it was two blokes in army fatigues who turned up for a recce, because that's the, the best way of doing things to start with. Uh, and they looked at flooded Somerset and were asked loads of questions and the media and his wife interviewed them and essentially they were having a look to see what they could do and the answer is of course is that it's a bit late for a lot of stuff mm. um again there's a headline this morning better late than never that's not necessarily everyone's take on it but mm. the, the government's cobra emergency committee is meeting again um they've met twice last night they'll meet again this morning and the local council's meeting with the army and uh, frankly it remains lots of water very little action but maybe they're finally getting somewhere and as if we needed it by the way oh they there's our beep, yeah. As if we needed it, by the way. Um, it's been the wettest January since records began yeah. 104 years ago. And I don't know, sometimes those stats sort of tell, tell us the, the blooming obvious, don't they? <laughs> no, they do. Now, tell me about the Suicide Samaritan. 
Uh, yeah, a little heart warmer. This, uh, there was a man um, who felt like you know his life had come to an end, like he was going nowhere, it was all too much, and he was thinking of committing suicide. But he was talked out of it by a complete stranger, talked and, and helped him down. Johnny Benjamin was intending to throw himself off Waterloo Bridge in London six years ago. Stranger came over, started asking him questions, kept asking him questions, engaged him in conversation, then made Johnny think again. It was the simple thing, says Johnny. Things can get better, said the stranger, persuading him not to jump. He thought, well, nobody said to me it could get better. So anyway, changed his mind. Johnny has had treatment for schizoaffective disorder, I have to say, since. But he's been searching for his good Samaritan. He had a, a campaign called Find Mike, which trended on Twitter in South Africa, apart from anywhere else. It became quite a thing. And now Johnny has found him, only he's not called Mike. He's uh, called a personal trainer called Neil. Mm-hmm. And really nice. They have this life-or-death bond and a happy ending, and, and that's worth something. Absolutely. Adam, great challenge as always, sir. You must have a happy Thanks, weekend. Up.